Hey friends, Andy Jenkins here with my friend Rock Hobbs from Transformation Ministries. He is the, you're the pastor, encourager, head honcho, grand poopah, what, what else? Like what, what else can we throw in there in the title? Uh, I think that's good. Pastor, executive director is the actual role I have to play. <laughs> that's the actual, uh, but man, you, you've been so much in the last episode, we talked about the Top Gun story and really how God took you from Top Gun to Transformation Ministries. One of the things that we ended up there in that, that talk was uh, really this idea that when people give their life to Christ, they, they receive forgiveness, we somehow, the scripture says, our spirit is one with his spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 6, right. 17. You know, our name is in, in the, according to Revelation, the Lamb's book of life. Right. Our eternal life. destination is secure, right. like right now. You know, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 tells us grace has mm -hmm. saved us. It has planned great works that we would walk in. So there's this purpose, this assignment for us to fulfill. But so many people get tripped up on the way to fulfill that plan. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, you know, because the Lord had me walk through so much of the what I call the valley of the shadow of death, in terms of my addictions, I mean, I I was a I was addicted to alcohol, but I was, I had a porn addiction. I mean, I were there were just so many addictions going on in my life. And here's out <laughs> while you're saying that, it, it made me think about how big grace is. Oh, <laughs> like I just I I know I'm totally interrupting like the flow of what you're gonna say here, but uh, this weekend I was talking to a church and talking about you know leadership and how First Timothy three outlines all the credentials for pastors and leaders in the church and saying, hey, these are great credentials for, for everybody Like that, that's going to aspire as a man to, to lead and love his family. And as you're saying this, you know, I'm, I'm thinking through some of those credentials, you know, not giving to much wine, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. faithful to one even tempered, and, I, and I'm thinking like, man, oh. like you, you just, you know, in your story, you hit, and, and I realize when you point one finger at somebody else, like you're kind of pointing, you know, three back at yourself. But I'm like, man, you, you like struck out on all of them. Right. And I think it's great for people to hear. And I, I appreciate how transparent you are with your story because there are other people that say, God won't use me. He can't use right. me. And then you're looking at it from the vantage point of 70 years going, hey, whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> Don't disqualify something that God has qualified. Mm -hmm. Grace still saves, it still forgives all of those sins. Yep. He can still use you, but we may need to work out some of the healing right. from those sins. And that's exactly where I was going with what uh, I was saying a second ago. Yeah, back that, on track, back yeah. to you. <laughs> no, I know, but that's a great point. And everything you say is when we get saved, our name's written in the book of life and our spirit is saved. But our soul, I call it the soul man, the, the human part of us, that, that DNA part of us, nothing's changed from the day you, when you accept Jesus, your spirit man changes, but your soul man's still the same old guy. Right. All the same past, all the same memories, all the same hurts, all the same wounds. And I think a lot of times people get saved and they get that, that, that um, pink cloud and they're getting all excited about the Lord and they love Jesus and they just want to, you know, they get all in and then after a couple months, they start tripping up because the old self is still the same and the same habits and the same problems and the same wounds and the same triggers start making you trip up and fall and, 
hurt in relationships or hurt in, in, in your jobs or whatever it is. And so you can't really disciple somebody that's really wounded still from the past. So the order has to be evangelized and get somebody to turn their life around, repent and get saved. Then you need to heal them, which will bring inner healing for their soul man and deliverance, whatever they might need from the enemy. And then you can start discipling them to finish that sanctification process out. Big long word, but really just means walking, become more and more like Christ. Become. I tell people all the time, the difference between, um, in the, from the Christian perspective and the worldly perspective, perspective, the opposite of alcoholism is not sober. The opposite of drug addiction is not being clean. The opposite of homosexuality is not being straight. The opposite of all those isms is God's call to holiness. It's just God's holiness, to be more like Christ, to be more like him. And um, it's hard for us when we, when we, if you're unchurched or if you've got a lot of wounds in the past, it's even hard for us to envision who is the Father. How can I be like Christ, be like the Father, if I can't even envision that? Because my Father beat the crap out of me. My Father was never there. My Father abandoned me. All those wounds can't let you have a true picture of this father that you're trying to run to the arms of, but you can't envision it because you're so blocked by the wounds of your past. And it's not just wounds with parents or wounds no. with adults. I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're all living out uh, each day, sure. you know, unprocessed pain of the past. We're, we're kind of filtering the present reality through that. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying, let, let me kind of be clear is that, you have as a person, you have a body. That's that's obvious. You know, that's what people are using right now to walk or to drive or to do the chores or whatever while they're listening to us talk. You have a body, you have a spirit, mm-hmm. and you have a soul, and those are three different right. entities. God, God created us with body, soul, and spirit. Okay, so the the soul's not necessarily negative. Uh, because the soul, it, it's your mindset, it's your emotions, it's your feelings, yeah. and that is it's personality. Your humanness. That's how we interact right. with each other. If we didn't have that soul, we wouldn't really be right. able to uh, express personality, express emotion, express heart. Joy, more, more pain. importantly, we couldn't have been created in His image without the soul man. Because the soul man, when God gave us that, He gave us the ability to choose. He gave us free will. Yeah, and it's free will that the Father wants from us. It's the only thing that God doesn't control in the entire universe. When I asked the Lord, I kept asking the Lord when I was going through my early recovery and all my hard times and stuff, I kept saying, why is obedience so important in everything? But everything's about being obedient to God. Obey God, obey God. And um, he gave me a vision out of Revelations 4, where John had the vision of going, getting to go to heaven. Yeah. And he describes it in Revelation 4. He says, and there were all these millions of angels, and they were they were just worshiping God. Holy, holy, worthy is the Lamb, and they're praising God. And then he starts describing the Father, and there's flame and fire, and there's just a lion of Judah in his face, and there's eyeballs everywhere, and there's wings and all this stuff. And then he stopped, and he said, Rock, every time you're obedient and you choose to obey me, all those angels stop. And they just cry out, Rock was obedient to you in front of me. And the Bible says in Psalms that, or I think it's in, um, not Psalms, in Numbers, that our obedience is like the sweet fragrance to the nostrils of the Lord. And so I just had that picture. Now, that's not 
that part about the angels isn't in the Bible. That was the vision God gave me because I'm a visionary. I see things. And I remembered every time I had to say, okay, I'm choosing not to drink. Okay, I'm going to choose to love my wife unconditionally. I wanted my name broadcast in heaven with those angels. Rock was obedient again. And I kept seeing that picture. And that helped me in my obedience, in my walk, because I had visualized that. He gave me that vision. But obedience is important. But we have to learn that. That doesn't just happen. We got this soul part that's all this humanness. We have to willingly be willing to give it, right? God God doesn't want us to be robots. He didn't create robots. So our humanness is created in the image so that we can what? We can have intimacy in relationship. Without the soul, if you just had spirit, you'd be like Spock from Star Trek. I mean, it's mind meld. You'd just be able to talk to God and then you'd kind of be robotic. And when we get into heaven, we will just have our spiritual glorified bodies and the soul part's going to kind of dissipate out because we're going to be there. And, and, you know, some people call it soul, spirit to heaven. I, I don't want to get into the somatics or the theology part. I just break it down to a very understandable thing. The body has a brain and the soul has a heart. Your heart is the center of control for your soul, your emotions, your feelings, your intellect, and all that. And then your spirit, man, you had a spirit from the minute you were conceived in the womb. And then when you get saved, you get his spirit overlaying your human spirit. And now the conflict all the time is trying to obey that spirit versus your soul man. You so let the soul submit to the spirit, yeah. not forcing the spirit yeah. to be covered up by the soul. Right. And there's a conflict every day. There's a battle between your soul man and spirit man. Trying to do what? Get the will. What's the will? That's the brain. That's what I'm actually going to do with this body. I'm going to make decisions and go do this. I'm going to not drink. I am going to drink. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go to church. I'm not going to go to church. All those come from the brain. But it's the soul man and spirit man that are daily, constantly vying for who's going to control your will. Because we know one thing scientifically. You won't do anything you don't believe. You won't do anything that you don't want to do unless somebody puts a gun to your head and makes you do it, like laws or stuff like that. Yeah. But, or in bad cases, you know, communist countries, they're making you do different things. So that soul man and spirit man are constantly trying to out shout or out voice the other one. And in my story, uh, we'll t probably talk about down the road, guy was telling me that my soul man voice was so loud. Even as a Christian, trying to do all the good things in the church, but my spirit man was silent because I wasn't spending much time walking with the Lord, just talking to him and reading the Bible and praying. I was busy doing God's stuff. I was doing all the things, but I was not walking. I didn't have relationship. And teaching people how to have intimacy with the Father, you can't really get them to be able to understand that until you first get the soul man wounds taken care of. You've got to, you know, 90% of who we are comes from the first 18 years of who of our life. It's that, that what I define as early development, 0 to 18, womb, womb to 18. And you're going to be what you see because your brain is imprinted with those years in your life. And it's not that things that are in your brain telling you to do this or do that. It's what says this is normal. Your, your brain doesn't speak in words. It speaks in pictures. It says this is normal. That's why you have so many guys, people that come out of domestic violence homes, and end up having domestic violence. Why? Because when they get to where they get so frustrated with their spouse, they go, this is normal. I saw my dad smack my mom all the time. That's normal. So in your frustration, in your heat, you smack your wife. 
I love my wife. I heard my dad say he loved my wife all the time, his wife. And it just generationally just kind of passed. Why? Because it came out of those formative those first formative 18 years. years. So a lot of the things that we repeat later in life, you're saying come from early on. Sure. Just labeled on, hey, this is. So it's a starting place, though. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have to come from that, but it does a major portion. There's a lot of parent things or sibling issues and stuff like that. We, t- we talk about that in the school. And then you can have things where you had really great childhood and but when you were 30 your first marriage was terrible and really wounded you in many different ways and now you're 35 and 40 and you can't get past that and you're struggling in your walk with the lord or even to go to church or maybe you're angry at god like i was and until god can heal those wounds so jesus comes in prayer ministry and, and does some healing it's gonna be hard for you to disciple and move forward like you're talking about to walk in that purpose so it seems like we're wanting we're wanting to live from the spirit Use the soul, again, to interact with other people. Uh, the soul is a gift by, mm-hmm. from God so that we could, again, be created in his image and understand each other, interact with the world your personality and talents and giftings yeah. and all that. So, we, But to walk in the spirit, we've got to get the soul submitted to the spirit. Right. And a big part of that is making sure that those soul wounds right. are healed right. so that the soul is whole mm-hmm. and then submits to the spirit. So let, let's talk a little bit about that as far as... Living with a soul that's been made whole, what, what are some of the factors that trip people up? And, and I, I know that led into the new small group curriculum that you have, Unshackled. I'm right. going to put a link to that below in the show notes where people can follow along and then take advantage of, of a special offer we have there. But what, what, where do you even start? Like somebody that's listening to this going, okay, well, that, that kind of makes sense. Like that's, that's probably what I'm dealing with. Like where, where do they even start? Right. Where do they begin? I, I tell people when they come in for counseling with me that I'm going to address three spiritual principles. Okay. The first principle is the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment is the commandment that says, honor your father and mother. And it's the first commandment God gave, first of all, that wasn't about him. The first four were all about him. So then there was from five to ten were don't murder, don't steal, don't do all those things. But the number one first one was honor your father. It's kind of the first relational human commandment. Yeah, first commandment. And it's the only one that came with promise that said, if you honor your father and mother, your life will go well and you'll live long. So the opposite or the converse to that blessing is the curse. And the curse is if you dishonor your father and mother, your life's not going to go so well and you may not live as long. And one of the things the church is not doing is not teaching from the pulpit or in Sunday school the fifth commandment and how that affects us and where does that come from. And in um, the book, The Cure, that I use from True Face Ministry, um, we, we use that to show and demonstrate that the inevitable effect of sins committed against us when we're children by our parents is not that we can rebel and stop them, not that we can tell them to change, not that we can leave. When you're seven years old and your dad's beating you, you can't leave. I mean, where do you go? Well, that's what people you know? say. You know, kids are so resilient. Well, well, they're they're not. They don't. They're, they have to be. They don't really have a choice. Right. Like they're stuck. They're, so what you know, do we do? We try to cope. So right. what happens if dad's a beater? Then when dad comes home and you don't know if it's a good dad or bad dad coming home, we run to our neighbor's house and play with my friend. Get out of the dodge. Or we run to our room and lock the door and, and play video games. We, we try to cope, but that coping mechanism most of the time is called stuffing. All I try to do is survive. I stuff it. I try not to think about it, and I just want to get out of here. 
And when I get out of here, I'll have my own life. I'll do my own thing. And then you end up having um, a relationship and, you, and you, you go. But all those wounds are still there. And I talk about it in the school all the time. The, the uh, University of Nova Scotia did a study called the Snake Study that proved that, uh, and I won't t- go through the whole study, but it proved that you can have things buried deep into your subconscious. Because our, our brain, we use all, 100% of our brain all the time, unless there's actual brain damage or something from an accident. But only one-sixth of that is conscious thought. Five-sixths of your brain power is subconscious thought. You know, you don't think about breathing. You don't think about blood flowing and your heart beating. And you don't think about the emotional part of your limbic system that's tied to that uh, subconscious part. So what we t- to do is, I say, well, what did your fa- did your father hurt you? Yeah, yeah, he, he really beat me. He was unfair. It's very harsh. Well, how, did you forgive him? Yeah, I, I forgave him. Well, how'd you do that? Well, I I just stopped thinking about it. What? So what does that mean? You stuffed it. I stuffed it. it. And now it's still there. Well, that study from the University of Nova Scotia proved that you can have stuff buried in the subconscious that can affect your emotions, your physical, your uh, intellectual, and all the stability of of the parts of your limbic system without consciously thinking about it. And it's probably affecting how you interact with people every day. And maybe how you're going to be a father to your children. Okay, so what you're saying right there is you can have a hurt you know, we don't want to go like necessarily looking for hurts and making up st- hurts, but at the same time, you can have hurts that you're not really cognizant of that you've got to deal with. That you've suppressed the memory. Yeah. Okay. God gave us denial, the gift of denial, and the ability to to, to bury things so we could survive. You couldn't just carry this around all the a time. A seven-year-old that gets raped, that raped by their parent, by a dad or an uncle or something, if they can't... If they can't stuff that, eventually what's going to happen is is they're going to commit suicide or they're going to um, go crazy. And so God allows them this denial to separate out. Sometimes we call it disassociation where you might actually leave that child in the past. You can't even remember that. And you, this person goes out not fully whole. That part of the, them is still here and they move forward in their life. And part of the wonderful things in our prayer ministry and our, in our counseling is going through prayer time and bringing those two back together again i'm not we're not clinicians and we're not um professionals so i don't want to get too deep in things like dissociation and stuff but on the small scale very simple scale we can we can do a lot because jesus just brings them together well here's the commands honor yeah so that's what you're going for so yes and how do we dishonor our parents well we dishonor them when by our judgments that's the second principle judge not lest you be judged for the very thing you judge others is going to come against you so when you're seven years old, you can't leave, you can't go anywhere, but what you can do is you can say, I hate him. I'll never treat my kids like that. She's a witch. He's just a drunk. And those judgments take that principle of honorment and shift it in the spiritual realm out of whack. You're no longer in God's in order with God's principles. Now, if you're a Christian, if you imagine this umbrella thing again, and the umbrella represents God at the top, and his blessings are falling under that umbrella, and you're right underneath that. So as a Christian... You get saved, their blessings of God are falling on you. And then there's another umbrella right below that called the Old Testament. We're grafted into all the promises of Psalms and and Proverbs and all that because the the promises to the Jewish Israel nation, all those blessings are falling on you. And the third umbrella is the honorment, that your life will go well and you'll live long. 
when you dishonor your parents, now we're talking about what happens in this early development time, that umbrella shifts out of whack in the spiritual realm. So those blessings are falling over to the side, but you're under this other umbrella where God's blessings are, and now you're not getting the blessings of this honorment one, you're just getting the blessings of God. And the picture I'm trying to paint is, when you get to about 25 to 35, 40 years old, and you've been a Christian, and you're trying to do all the right things, you're going to come to this place and time in your life, and I see it over and over and over again, where you're going, man, I'm going to church, I'm reading my Bible, I'm in small groups, I'm doing all the right things, but I, I'm as I look around at the other people in the church, as I look at the Facebook people and all these other things, yeah. I I can't put my finger up, but I'm not getting all the blessings. I feel like I'm missing something. You're not making traction. I, yeah, something's missing, and I can't figure it out, and you get frustrated. And the thing is, is they're spiritually out of order, and it happened when they were seven years old, and they've been their whole life trying to deal with it by just not thinking about it. And all what happens when they come into my counseling and come to our counselors is we say, we don't want to go through the pain of thinking about it, but we just need to bring it back into your memory, conscious memory. Let the Holy Spirit take it out of that buried subconscious and remember the pain of what they did or said that hurt you. So what? We can forgive them. So we can declare out loud that we forgive. I release my dad from every debt that he owes me, from every pain. I forgive him and I make him actually walk through all of them that they can recall. And then we ask God to take that principle of honorment and reinstate it in order with the rest of his blessing. And what that does is it opens up the flow. And a person feels, I mean, it's, there's no lightning bolts when they go through the prayer of honorment with father and mother, but something shifts in the fourth dimension. Something shifts in the spiritual realm. And I'd say 70 to 80% of the people that I take through that prayer ministry on honorment end up coming back saying, man, I, I, I just feel different. I can't put my finger on what I just feel. And I'm going, yeah, that's what I felt. I, I couldn't figure out why. I felt like I was not getting everything. I felt like I was missing something. And it's because I held so much against my mother and my father for the things that happened when I was growing up. Okay, so we're t we've been talking about, again, kind of that soul mm -hmm. issue. And one of the things that trips people up is is the soul, even after they've come to faith. And, and you kind of highlighted, hey, there's three principles as far as the starting points. Uh, and the so third are, principle I didn't so, say was reap so, what you sow. So the first one is honoring mother and father. Second one is the judgments. And then the third principle there is you reap reap, what you sow. reaping what you reaping sow. And sowing. So talk a little bit about that one. So the Bible is very specific and it says there's blessings and there's curses. And it says and don't mock God. God's not going to be mocked. You, you will reap what you sow. If you sow into sin, you'll reap death. If you sow into righteousness, you reap life. Not necessarily death like death, death, but spiritual death or problems or it's not going so well. And um, many times we sow into wrong things just because we're so wounded. And many times we think, isn't that, doesn't everybody do it this way? Isn't that, isn't that what we're supposed to do? And the thing is, you have a wrong picture of what is right. And until I, I tell everybody all the time, my mom used to cook salmon when I was growing up. And she would take pantyhose, fresh, a new thing of pantyhose, and she'd put the salmon in it, and then she'd double broil it in the pantyhose, so because it would almost fall apart, yeah. so the pantyhose would keep it together, and she'd put it on the plate, take the, uh, and, and that's how she cooked the salmon. Well, of course, 20 years later, I'm cooking for one of my dates 
when I'm dating in Las Vegas and I'm going to impress her by cooking salmon and I get this pantyhose thing and she's, what are you doing? And I'm going, this, I'm cooking salmon, you know, that's how my mom, because she's, doesn't everybody cook it like that? She goes, no, you got a double broiler, put it in a pantyhose. I'm going, I said, well, I thought I was doing it the right you way. That's you know? how you do it, yeah, it's and just so, normal to yes, you. Yes, because why? Because that was what was normal. And um, it's what happens in many, many things in our lives. So a lot of times we're getting the, just the obvious outcome of what we've, in farming terms, put in the ground. You know, you sow a tomato seed, you're going to get a tomato. You sow corn, you're going to get corn. You mm-hmm. sow certain actions, you're going to get certain right. reactions. So so the thing is, is and the point that I make with sowing and reaping is what Father God showed me about his heart and who he is, is God's in heaven and all he wants to do is love us. He just wants to have a relationship with us. But he put, when he created the universe, the principles of God into play. He put the laws of physics, the three dimensions of our, of our you know, the things that are all around us, so wood, like gravity, wood and gravity and all, yeah. and all that stuff. But at the same time, in the fourth dimension, in the spiritual realm, he put these spiritual laws. Where are those? They're defined in the Bible, all throughout the Bible, spiritual principles, spiritual laws. So when we go against those, God doesn't sit in heaven and go, I'm going to send lightning bolts and I'm going to mess up your marriage or I'm going to cause you to go to jail or you're going to get a DUI because you're sinned. No, you're just reaping what you sow. You sow into sin. There's principles. And it says if you sow into this, you may have consequences. Well, and that's so different than people thinking, oh, God's out to get me and he's zapping yes. me and God's punishing me. That's right. No, you're not being punished. You're reaping, reaping what you sow. And it may go back to areas in the soul with the lack of honor for your parents. Yep. It may go back to the principles of judgments. It may go back to the principles of reaping and sowing. Right. At least and as so, a starting point. So that's where I start with the first 18 years with everybody through those three principles. And then we move forward into relationships and people and more current things people might come in for a marriage issue but we start with mom and dad and work to the, and at the end by the time we go through all this forgiveness of the first parts when we get to forgiving my husband for the things he did it's a lot easier it's they're more able to receive um, God's love and to receive um, or to forgive than they would have if you just tried to start right there dealing with the, the wound so we want to go to the root stuff that's the whole point of the school is we teach. Don't look at the fruit. The fruit is I, I drank too much. I'm an alcoholic. The root is I'm full of shame. I've got these things that happen to me, and when I drink, I feel good about myself. Well, man, you so, keep plucking the fruit off. Yeah. That stuff just keeps growing back. back. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you, it's gone right. for a year or two right. or six months or whatever, but if, if you haven't dealt with the root, it just, you know, to yeah. deal with the fruit, you really got to take care of that root. So many times in the prayer time when I'm in counseling with somebody, I'll, uh, we'll ask Jesus to bring them to the place to remind them and show them where did this pain first start? Where was the first place? Inevitably, they're going back into their childhood somewhere. Doesn't have to all the time, though. I mean, sometimes it could be like we deal with vets with PTSD yeah. coming from the war, and that's a whole different ball game. I mean, that's they're old. I mean, not old, but I mean they're they're in their twenties and thirties, and so um, that's all separately happened then. It has nothing to do with mom and dad. Well, what's strange though is even in that, I've taught several courses to veterans about PTSD, and you know, while we're talking about it, I said yes, um, this response happens because of what occurred when you were outside the wire, you know, wherever you were deployed. 
But as they start talking through that, I've had multiple veterans say, you know what? That really hurt me. At the same time, some of the issues that I've been carrying from the past, I think hurt me more. Right. You know, and it's once they're dealing with certain kinds yeah. of wounds, like it's it's kind of unlocked something emotionally and they're like, oh gosh, like yeah. this trauma, but also that. Right. And so, you know, they'll, they'll get the frame of mind where they're saying, hey, while we're cleaning out the baggage, let's just... Let's just do it all. Let's just deal with everything and move forward. Right. And, you know, I believe that God allows us sometimes to just not deal with some of those hurts for years to just protect us because we're not ready to receive it. For sure. But I'll tell people all the time when they sit down at the at the chair or in the couch in my office with me that and I look them right in the eye and I'll say, if you're sitting here right now and you found me as a counselor, because I'm a nobody. I mean, I'm, I'm this small little, no, I don't advertise, nobody. If God got you to this couch, then I know God's saying to me, now is your time to be able to face those things. It's the, it's the stories of the wound and all of the muck and all of the stuff that you go through that if you could let Jesus heal that and get you through to the other side, as soon as you get healed, as soon as you get better, and how do we do that? We have to say, I give up. I, I, lose, I give up all my authority. I give up all my control. I just surrender. I surrender, God. Just, I just need you to touch my heart. When you get through that process and he does the healing, he turns right back around and says, now I'm going to give you that authority back. And your story becomes your power and your authority. And people begin to listen to you. Because you got out, if you stay stuck in it, you can tell people all the day long that you know, I know exactly how I feel, man, my husband does the same thing, and you're talking about the same thing, and but you don't have any answers, you're still stuck in it, they're not going to listen to that, they don't want that, how do I get out of this, how do I get set free, if you get set free, then you just say, look, I, here's what happened to me, and here's how God got me here, you want to go, you want to try it, and every, inevitably they go, yeah, let's try well, it. Well, you cease becoming a victim, and you start being the victor uh, there, there's this there's this thing i read years ago uh like from romans 12 11 where it says they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their story and so the blood of the lamb was the past work of jesus but the current was the power that was in their story and yep. rabbis taught this idea now freelander get on here he might shape this up a little yeah. bit but it's, it's, or give us more insight but uh, he's, the, he's the guy, if you're listening, that leads the Hebraic Institute here at Transformation School of Ministry. Uh, what they taught was when a story is shared of God moving, the same power that happened in the original event is present in the story. That's right. And so every year when the Jewish people would get together and they would celebrate Passover, they would tell the story as if we traveled through the red sea as if god delivered us from slavery and as if we are now in the promised land because in that that same power was present and so what you see you've seen this in church somebody tells a story of healing of a physical issue all of a sudden faith rises because yep. the same power that healed the person is now present in the story somebody tells a story of a marriage being restored yep. Your faith goes to the room. Somebody tells the story of a financial provision or, you know, even people on the podcast hear your story. And that's what I appreciate you about you being so honest about, you know, like Paul says, I was this, 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 
but I was washed, I was power cleansed, and now, you know, he always looks at it such word, but now you are. Like a whole shift is there's power in that story of the overcoming. And so as people come before you and they're healed, they're made whole, that then does become an authority. You know, you use the example, you hear a lot of times about the Japanese art of the, like a pot that's all shattered or cracked. And then they pour gold that goes down into the crack. Kintsukuri yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So the thing is, the point of that is, is that it didn't change the pot. They didn't change my DNA. God just put all of his wealth and himself into putting it. They put gold in the cracks and right. put it back together. It was more beautiful than it ever and, was. And more valuable. Yeah. And more valuable. And, and um, it's, a, it's a good visual picture. Of, he's not giving us a new vase. He's just giving who we are. There was a reason why we went through what we went through. And if you can understand that God just wants to use you, that's when you can realize as you're like people, the students coming through our school is that one of the biggest things we tell them is, is the, the, the story that you have is doesn't keep you from doing walking in God's call and purpose for you. The story that you have is your call it and is purpose. It is part of the call. Yeah, and that's where God's going to yeah. use you. But you got to get to the other side. you got to get to healing. Yeah. Okay. Check the show notes below. I've got a free opt-in there for you. Just kind of say, hey, I want it. You claim it. We're going to give you a video that's going to help move you beyond the performance mentality and rest in the arms of your Heavenly Father. Uh, it talks all about, let me throw out some terms that you'll understand there. Performance mentality, orphan spirit, orphan heart. What, what other kind of words would you throw there? Just kind of the terminology to help people move yeah. beyond performing into freedom captive spirit we teach about there's you know we, we talk a lot about abandonment and rejection i mean those are some core basic issues of the early development yeah that are, a lot of people are still struggling at when they're 45 and married and got kids and so we don't want you to struggle with that so take advantage of that that is one of the videos from the new unshackled yeah. small group study that's right there rock thank you so much uh, i want i want to come back with you in an, another episode and talk about Day 368. Okay, so day whatever. you got so many stories. Day 368. Sign us off. Well, just want you to come join the tribe. Come on and see us.